0: Hey everybody, my name is Alex, and this is Lunchbox Radio. Before we get into the ugly guts of what we're talking about this week, which if you've read the episode title, which I'm going to assume you did, you know what it's going to be about. But before we get into that, thank you so much to everybody who listened to the last Sunday episode. If you haven't listened to that, it's all about going back to conventions and going back to not just the ordinary of life, but the extraordinary of life. Being a fan in the anime community and experiencing the like live in personness of that because if you are vaccinated and you are willing to wear a mask, that is totally a doable thing now. So um definitely go listen to that. Also, definitely go listen to my thoughts on Old Maidens in your Savage season since that was a great show. Oh, I wish the show we were talking about this week was as good as that show then I wouldn't be making at least the episode I'm about to make. And on that note, let's get into what we're talking about this week and it's going to sound going to seem weird to a bunch of you, but I promise there's a point. And that show is High Guardian Spice. <laughs> now, a lot has happened in the world in general since two years ago. Basically, the whole world decided to attempt to pause itself to stop a global raging disease pandemic and everything kind of went bad there for a bit. And we all, nobody, nobody left, no, people were trying not to leave their houses that much, at least in America. But what happened Two years ago, also, when we were all blissfully ignorant of what was about to become of us, was Crunchyroll announced its first official, full-on, not, done by some other company, not just Crunchyroll on a production not-just-crunchy-roll-on-a-production-committee-with-a-bunch-of-other-companies, original. And it got a massive massive reaction that was not good i want to be clear like the reaction to the announcement of high guardian spice was bad was like the was like the worst it could have gone for them and one of the big reasons that was was because the thing that they did and i'll be clear I, i probably said this at the time but i don't think that I think that they read they read the room wrong and you had a bunch of people who didn't think of, who thought about what they want to see from a company and not what they want to see from a show. And I'm gonna probably gonna say this again about the show, but even the even the announcement of High Guardian Spice elicited this, like, this is a thing that was produced out of California for what California wants the world, wants to think, that the world wants to see right now. And the reason why that was was because they showed this really diverse cast of creators that were working on the show and all this other stuff, but they didn't show any of the show. And that's the thing that oftentimes... Of all people, video game studios tend to get really right. And actually, it's about the only thing that apparently um, Cyberpunk 2077 got right. If you remember that, if you remember all the trailers to Cyberpunk 2077. Well, they all look clearly different. Like well, the very first trailer to... Um, cyberpunk 2077 that was all about that song it was like a bad radiohead fake radiohead song that for just the line personal responsibility personal responsibility personal as a like robot drive as a robot um as a cyborg um Bride with, like, mantis blades for hands got shot up by the rope, By got shot up by the future cops. That personal responsibility thing played in the background. If you remember anything about that, and then this, the, like, Night City trailer that came much later, I think at, like, E3 2019 or something, those were all showing you Slices of the world. Less so in the first, I'm going to call it personal responsibility trailer, but more in the Night City reveal kind of trailer where you open up with that great song on this like fucked up subway and it's like Night City has the highest rates of homelessness per capita in the world, but everyone still wants to live here and you're listening to V talking to you. That trailer really looked like what the game would look like at its best really but those the thing that that got right was it showed you so much of the game it showed you all this stuff so much so that there was stuff that just straight up wasn't there or didn't work or like experiences that people didn't have because the, the game just ended up not being the best not being it the best it could have been clearly But that's one way to screw up. The other way to screw up is not to show anything. Or to announce too early and to not really have enough to show where people are, are like, can latch onto it. Can become defenders of it. Because the thing that happened with all the cyberpunk stuff was it was so carefully managed up until it was released and completely botched. Um that it gave people stuff to latch on to. It gave people like me who loves the cyberpunk genre something to hope for. The High Guardian Spice trailer the High Guardian Spice announcement didn't. It just didn't. And what that ended up what ended up happening for that to that thing to High Guardian Spice the whole thing would they had to memory hold that thing for two whole years partially because of the pandemic and all this other stuff but also really don't let's not fool ourselves here because it just got received so negatively and part of it yes was the like kind of rebecca sugar early to mid 2000 to now 2000s really cartoon networkness of it all but the other part of it was they didn't they didn't show enough of the actual thing you didn't you don't you didn't get to see enough and there are totally and one of the reasons why i'm talking about this right now is because i went to look for conversations about high guardian spice because I saw that without, I'm like, some deranged nightmare person took all day to hate watch the shit out of these 12 episodes. It's up on Crunchyroll, by the way. You can go watch it. Um, To hate watch the shit out of these 12, 12 episodes just so they can drag it. I know how the internet works. And first off, I was surprised that that had not happened really yet. I was a little delighted that it hadn't happened yet. Not because I want that show to do badly, although I don't think it will do well. It's already only it's already rated like one and a half stars on Crunchyroll, which is not great. Um, I have a I have a running theory that if you, that you're really fucking up if you are anything on the internet and you can't get at least four stars because that means so few people think that you are even deserve a passing grade <laughs> that you are like so thoroughly failing. And so there is so there's that so that that part of the High Guardian Spice saga, I'm going to call it the publicity saga. And then a couple weeks back, we all got a trailer. We got an actual trailer, which I hilariously did not watch because I'm like, oh, that thing coming out, i believe it when it's out. I'll believe it when I can push a play button somewhere to watch it. And then fast forward to about. A week ago and high guardian spice all 12 episodes are up ready to watch and I, the reason why I wanted to watch this show was not because I expected it to be good or bad or mad or anything in between was because I think that I think that is so little of giving stuff a chance um I got in an argument with Daryl Surratt and Daryl Surratt hears this he'll be like oh yeah that guy um, with Dale Thrat, where the, like, he tried to get at me with, like, and Twitter goads people into being this way, to be clear. Like, I, I think if I probably met him, it wouldn't be as hostile as we have been at times towards each other on Twitter. Um, I think that's just the way Twitter goes lots of times. But the, long well, story sure of it, is he took a look at my feed, just like the quick scroll, and it's like, I don't watch things like, you know, Bleach and, you know, Pokemon and all that, like, kid stuff. I'm like, I watch everything, because ev- because the bottom line is, is, and I've said this before, if someone is producing something and it gets to your eyeballs, so much work went into that that you don't see that it's worth at least, a cr- at the very least, a cursory glance and a look. Very little of what you see put out into the world was so little work that it, like, it doesn't, it doesn't merit a listen or a watch or whatever. Take this podcast for example. I don't do any editing on this podcast. I barely do any editing on any of the podcasts I work on. I usually cut for time, maybe if it needs it um but the long and short of it is i still record this for an hour i still record uh, uncanny curves my friend lauren for lots of times multiple hours um and i still you know i do cutting for time and i put stuff i upload stuff i set timers for stuff all that stuff that's still a lot of work i'm still engaging in a decent amount of audio production to get my voice to you, the listener. I'm not saying that I should be respected or held up like a content creator on high for that horseshit. No. I don't put a whole lot of effort into this. But what I am saying is that I don't do nothing to make this happen every week. Um, at my best, I like schedule things. I have examples. I have deep thoughts, that kind of thing. But at my worst, I'm still, you know, putting myself in front of a microphone and constraining my thoughts to it very most, usually an hour to give to you. And so, and also I know how difficult it is to make animation to all of that stuff. And for all of that, I... Even in the, like, High Guardian Spice discourse of the initial announcement, there was an awful lot of, like, just deriding a team for wanting to be diverse and deriding an all-female team for just shoving that in people's faces. And is that great? No. And for reasons I will talk about later in the show, uh, in this episode about High Guardian Spice the gold standard of equality is is and will always be when it is no longer noticeable that you are different and i i want to be very clear i'm speaking from a place of extreme difference i am a but and i've talked about all of these factors on the podcast before you can go back in the feed and you can listen to them in episodes like um brand new animal which is a whole show that revolves around two characters who are mixed race, who are zebra children, in some cases, literally. I'm a biracial, physically disabled, childhood brain cancer survivor who is raised by a single parent. I am the pluralism that the Republicans are scared of. Believe me. I understand that. But one of the biggest... Like, oddest things that happens with a lot of my friends, they like skips their mind that I am disabled or biracial or any of that. I'm just the person they know. My, I, I've had more than one friend be like, "You're not that. You're you're Alex. It's fine." And in all the connotations you can imagine of that, by the way. But, like, there is still a need for lots of people who have, especially people who've just come into the part of them that is very different from the world around them, to want to, A, see that celebrated, and, B, show up and show out in a way that lets other people know that that's celebrated, too. And I think when that... I think when that instinct bumps up against people just living their lives, it's sometimes those people just living their lives are like I I just wanna watch a cartoon. <laughs> I don't like I don't need to I don't need I don't need to confront the fact that many of my favorite shows are made by only men because uh so let me put it this way, there's a great way to put this actually. I don't need to confront the reality of Nate Turban when it's my first time watching Gundam Iron Blood Orphans all the way through. Like you, you don't need to like things only like things that are unproblematic because everything will be problematic in some way. Even if it's trying not to. And a big part of the reason for that is by by tilting it but if you have a scale and you want equality in that scale the answer is the scale is flat you can't tilt the scale for one period of time because for the previous period of time the scale was tilted in the other way in the other direction what you need to do Is you need to bring the you need to literally create a B out of the scale plate. You need to bring the other side up, and let and I'm actually Lauren, the um, host of the Uncanny Curve podcast that I record and release every week, also on Thursday nights, um, which is generally speaking all about um, all about the 1970s um, run of X Men comics. Lauren said to me one time and she's really right is that most people want what most people think they want is they want is they want what most people think that they want is they want what's called equivalency which, which means that what you have is equivalent to what the other person has. It's not about equality. It's not You have everything they have because they've had everything they have for way longer and have been able to do way more with it. Equivalency is everybody's bought to the same level. Whatever that takes on whatever side. Taking away from one side, giving to another side, whatever it is. But at the end of the day, everybody is the same. Nobody's better than anybody else. What they ask for, though, is they want to be celebrated because they haven't been celebrated. And that's a fine, you know, that's a fine instinct to have. But it doesn't really... At the end of the day, you still have one group over another group in some way, shape, or form. This... Like schism in the world won't be equal unless we all, at some point, let go of whatever prize we have caught that we're holding on to as tight as possible. And am I saying, you know, and specifically in the case of High Garden's fight, you know, the LGBTQI plus cohort should not should not feel like they can be out in public and be proud no but I'm also not saying that like you should feel more powerful than the cis straight white person walking down the block because of it because the bottom line is strip everything away strip strip away status strip away history all this shit and at the end of the day, human being, human being. That's all you need to know. And if you don't respect somebody because they're transgender, because they're queer, because they're a different color than you, because of whatever, you make no mistake, you are not disrespecting a life choice. You are not disrespecting a life whatever, you are disrespecting another human being who is choosing to live on the earth. That's why you're a piece of shit. It's not because you don't like them because they're gay or because they're transgender or because they're, like, uh, their hair is pink. Who knows? It's because you saw another human being and you saw it as okay to hate them. And that's the bottom line. All of this other stuff is set dressing that the, each side continued to throw at each other. And I will say that one side needs to comment the fuck down and they need to be okay with the fact that not everyone is like them and move on with their lives. Like, if the way I always put it is, if you aren't hurting anyone and you're just going through the world, doing your best, who gives a shit what you're doing? And here's where I get to actual the actual High Guardian spice of it all. One of my favorite anime shows of all time, and so I've talked about this a bunch of times on this podcast, including I devote a whole episode to it, is Static Shock. And the reason why I love Static Shock and the reason why lots of people love and praise Static Shock is because that show goes hard. And that show doesn't care about the that show cares about the kid watching it. It doesn't care about the parent who put it on in front of the kid. It's taking it taking its shot with a kid from a household that may have some bad stuff floating around in it because of, you know, inherent racism, blah, 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 blah. And it's sitting kids down being like, hey, you know, (laughs) we got some stuff to teach you about the world. Like, we got, like, some good messages for you, and we're not going to compromise on that. We're going to have conversations about special education. We're going to have conversations about what if somebody's dad is a racist. We're going to have all those conversations. And we're not going to warn you first, kid. Because this is stuff you need to know. Like, we're going to... I said this um, a couple of times, but on the episode about static shock. They have a episode. Episode 2 is about intellectual property theft. And what that means to the person who intellectual property is taken. It's a big, cool thing. And that's episode 2. They continue to go hard from that from that show onward. So it really surprised me when... Sat down to watch the first episode of the show. and this also occurred on every preview, on every preceding episode. After that, I was hit with a content warning, and this show says I'm some very I'm not gonna play it to get it there, but and this show says to, to this says to some extent. This show is for mature audiences, which, if you've seen anything from High Guardian Spike, it's like stunning but not that stunning. And this show may contain sexual content, suggestive content, all this other stuff. And after the first episode, I was surprised. Because they're clearly trying to normalize things in this show. They are, they have a very clear lesbian couple. That's like, that's, um, that Sage is one of the, one of the main characters of the show. That Sage's, um, Sage's cousin lives with her girlfriend. They, I, they never say that they're married, but they may be married and they're a queer couple. And they very much code the character as queer. It's very clear from, from the minute go. You're like... They're a couple. And for... I want to say eight... For five episodes. Actually, I know exactly. For five episodes. There's nothing else in this show that really... That's really, like, that would actually do nothing, not even the queer couple that shows up, that is in any way, like, this is playing on Crunchyroll, right? Like, this is playing on the same platform as freaking Jobs... <laughs> Another show sure that I actually just stopped uh, watching it. It's quite good, with the exception of the aspect of, like, deep perversion of the main character, which is definitely supposed to be a character flaw, but comes off as a, Ooh, although it's a very funny joke. Um, this is on the same platform as Jobless Reincarnation. <laughs> this is on the same platform as a show about a 40-year-old man who gets reincarnated into the body of a small child who then steals a pair of his magic teacher's panties and keeps them under his bed and calls them the holy Relic. This is on the same streaming platform. <laughs> In fact, it's made by that streaming platform. What I I shot this over to Lauren. I like told her about this particular thing. She's like, maybe it was a contractual obligation because this show was announced when it was when Crunchyroll was still owned by AT and T, which is a very different situation than when it's owned by a than when it's owned by a company that also owns the other major anime platform, Funimation. And the Japanese company is a whole different set of like, oh, you no, know, you're, you're an you're an anime thing? We know what that means. You don't need to put this disclaimer on it. Like Nobody's, nobody's signing up for Crunchyroll. is not deep enough in, or at least they haven't like seen the Jiraiya weirdness from Naruto, which is an important, with like, the Jiraiya weirdness from Naruto is worse than anything I have seen in um, High Guardian Spice. But the reason why I said it, I haven't seen anything that would that would like send up a warning light in my head until Episode Five is because on Episode Five, I think her name is Charchus. This, like, evil, like, man- like manically insane, psychopathic evil character. Who's not really evil. She's just, like, a psycho. Goes on this whole tirade about her mom banging the entire <laughs> <laughs> seaboard of witch country. Like, it... It stood out so weirdly. It was so strange to me. It was so odd and, like, totally inappropriate for... Almost for the show and almost that character, even. That I was like, is that is that why they put that in there for the entire show? Because... They, swap, they did a preview watch of it, and that one joke was like, oh, that's just a sex joke. We can't even sugarcoat that. We have to put a, a parental guidance warning on it, I guess. But the the thing, the reason why I talk about static shock before I talk about the parental guard, guidance thing is because... If it's just that one joke that's off-color, if it's just that slightly blue joke, it's... That earns a warning on a little clip warning that's not a whole big black screen on the epi- on that episode. Maybe. But what it comes off as when this show is so... About normalizing queerness and queer culture and female and female relationships and like female and male non and female and maybe male and maybe non-binary relationships and all this other stuff that it's very clearly signaling throughout most of the show throughout all of the show really. It it looks like it's warning against that stuff, which and I watched the show and I was like, I was surprised at how much the show felt toothless in a way that would probably surprise you if you remember the initial announcement. And the initial announcement is very like pro women, pro LGBTQ. I plus pro everything, pro 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 other, basically. And this whole show feels so much like that that it it feels like it gets in the way of the show. It feels like they take moments to point it out, at but also they t- they only take moments to point it out as a passing thought. Was like a blushing moment. It doesn't. It doesn't feel substantial enough. To factor into the story. It feels like. Representation for representation's sake. And like. All of this other. It feels like representation done badly. Like this character is put in here to represent this move on and if there was any if there's any story you hadn't seen here before i would say it takes away from the story but unfortunately what we have here is a is a show that has re- that has been a cobbled together of a bunch of things that people saw that were popular at some point and then they just belted this out one day. What I mean by that is this is a magical high school adventure story. Along the lines of Harry Potter, Little Witch Academia, the Magic Academy part of Maggie. Like kinda any magic school story you've seen, that's what this is. And it's but it like I said, this show has no has no real teeth so they can't use any of the darkness of it like if you remember the goblet of fire book for harry potter that had a real darkness to it and the movie had even more darkness to it and that that show that franchise goes some progressively darker places as ...the show goes on... ...and even as the movies go... ...as the books go on... ...even as the movies go on individually... ...or the books individually... Um, ...little witch academia... ...has... ...darker moments... ...it has different... ...it has a whole different... ...it has a real different take on Magic Academy... ...that adds to what Harry Potter... ...set as like a base... ...Maggie... ...for Maggie the Magic Academy functions as like a whole different thing and if you've never seen Maggie I did a um, show on Maggie and you should listen to that and go watch Maggie because it's a lot of fun it's a lot more fun than you think it would be and also I think the new season starts soon but aside from that um this doesn't add anything to the formula really it but even worse it It's pulling from older American cartoon tropes in the air of something like Steven Universe. Or even really in the air of something almost like Scooby-Doo. You know, there are characters who feel like Scooby-Doo villains in this thing. Who are just side characters. Miss Redbud. It's a Scooby-Doo creepy side character who works behind the counter in the haunted inn that they're staying in. You know, I. and you add to that the production, which for a company that made its, that made its bones on anime streaming, this show is an American cartoon. It is an American cartoon. There is clear anime influence. They are drawing from anime. They are drawing heavily from things like Little Witch Academia and all that other stuff. But it is not... It is the most American cartoon. If anybody tried to call it anime in front of you, you should laugh in their face. Honestly. That's it, the only response. I, I And the reason why I say that largely is because the opening is very... It's very it's, static with the titles and then they follow up it's very static with the titles but then they follow up with a traditional almost 19th so if you've ever seen Tom and Jerry from the, the original Tom and Jerry from like the 30s and 40s that like I grew up with you'll know and actually Panty and Stocking did this too because Panty and Stocking was pulling from that from like that tail era of cartoons. And like the Powerpuff Girls were pulling from that too. And it was pulling from the Powerpuff Girls. So it was like a transit property thing. But what they do in um, High Guardian Spice. And in Powerpuff Girls. And in Tom and Jerry. And in 900 other old cartoons. And also in Panty Stocking. If you get an extra. You get extra an extra two title cards. They give you all the information you just saw in the opening, but like as a static, as a static image with like very easy to read, like dotted tabbed page of content line stuff. If you're like, huh, go watch an opening of, um, go watch just the opening segment of the first episode of High Guardian Spice and be like, oh, weird. That's what he was talking about. He's totally right that's a really traditional American cartoon device to make sure you know who made it. To make sure that authorship is clear. And in... In... Anime, the way they get around this is the OP and the ED. And the reason why the OP and the ED get so much money poured into them is because the studios want you to know who made them. They want you to stick around for the ending and the opening. And if you look at things like, um, say, Evangelion in the opening and the ending, they'll move in the um, Evangelion ending, this scroll of the um, text is on one side and then you have the visuals on the other and it's a black background for the text and then you get the visuals. So you see the people who made the show in the opening of Evangelion. That thing is super highly coordinated with Cruel Angel Thesis and the, I'm sure, I can't remember off the top of my head, but I'm sure that the titles are put in places where not only are they maximally readable, but they force you to notice them. So you, like it's all one, cohesive piece. And yes, they'll give you a textless opening, but the goal of the opening is to get you to read it. And for this thing, for High Guardian Spice, to do it in the traditional American way, and to show so little confidence in being able to make a big Jam style anime opening, A, shows they knew what show they made ultimately, but B shows that they don't they don't trust it. They don't trust the their audience to stick around for the opening or read it even. A huge part of that is because the, t- the titles are static. The titles show up in one place on the screen for the entire opening. Whereas if you've ever seen an anime opening, you know the titles show up at different places. And they show up kind of where they hope your eye is going to be. So that's just the opening of this show, though. And, so, um, and the uh, content warning. Which, to be clear, is not a trigger warning. It's This show is not warning you about, like, potential, like, if you've... If you... If you're made uncomfortable by this, maybe don't. It's not like the warning in front of Aladdin on Disney Plus was like, hey, this was made years ago. People were racist. We're sorry. It's like a warning about what your kids might see if they watch this show. Which is a very different thing. And but like I said, this is not a. this is a story about, you know. A bunch of kids going to wizard school. But part of what Little Witch Academia meant to pull off. And um but many of these wizard story many many of these like wizard stories like Harry Potter are also Isekai stories. They're about, you know, what if you, the normal kid, were whisked away to this magical land where magic exists... And you get to learn it. And you get to succeed at something for once. You get rid of some of the compelling element... For the viewer... Especially as a... Like a... As a self-insert... Um, potential... When that person is already in that universe. And you need to make up for it somehow. In Little Witch Academia... The idea is that, um, I forget the name of the main character, but she went to go see a magician show years ago when she was little, and it inspired her and became her goal for the rest of her life. Akko. it became Akko's goal for the rest of her life. And that gets her to point A of enrolling in, um, I forget the Academy's name too. Damn it um but in this show's case it's just that they want to be guardians and you meet um you meet of uh, i think her name is Rosemary Thorne you meet Rosemary Thorne's mom um no um you you meet Rose, you meet Rosemary's mom And Rosemary is the main character. And she's a guardian. And she vanishes one day. This is not a particular... And there's this very, like... She wants to be a great guardian like her mom. Which is... That's a great jumping off point. Her mom leaves her her sword the whole nine. And then she goes to guardi- to like um to the guardian academy she meets a free like the the three very clearly related like triumvirate women who run the school and it's kind of all downhill from there unfortunately uh, a huge part of it is because they make some very weird voice acting choices. Like, the voice actors do not fit the characters particularly well in a weird way. I'm not saying that because I'm not expecting one character to sound like one, blah, 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 blah. blah. But they're not. There's a character who, like, mumbles and is very clearly ad-libbing. And it's supposed to be like a hippy-dippy character, but he just comes off as obnoxious because it's too weird. Um, the, the character who's like unexpected voice, um, it's, uh, the character uh, Parsley, her unexpected voice, it actually makes her a better character because you're like, oh, this is great. I know exactly this kind of character. And Rosemary and Sage are... And actually, hilariously, I, all the girl, all the main, the like four main characters are named Rosemary, Sage, Parsley, and Thyme, and Sign and Thyme, and they're all named after herbs. And that's a little bit where the like great seeming of names ends. It's those four characters, and then we out. And the whole the whole show feels rushed it feels like it's not using feels like it's not using its opportunities well it feels like it's not it feels like it's not special enough and by the way, the opening scene song is. Bad. But the opening. But the ending theme song. Is like. Early 2000s. Anime Con original karaoke booth. Bad. It's so bad. I don't know why it's so bad. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how you could have saved that song, but you could have. And it's just. It's not. It's not that. And I want to be clear. It's like the progressive aspects of this show are not the problems with it. Everything else is, but that's not. The problem with the show is not that they have a character who is pretty vulnerable in like his own skin in Snapdragon. The problem with the show is not that they have a, you know boring as all shit <laughs> professor. Who revealed to a character that he's transgender. And then they just move on. They just move on, man. They're like... They have a conversation where she she goes... I'm transgender, Rosemary. And she says... I don't know what that word means. Like a (laughs) two-year-old. And then... I forget the, the professor's name but he goes it means that I was a girl and then I was and now I'm a boy and then they just move on. The, the big thing for this show that it's missing that it, I'm going to bring up Cuties again because it's a good thing. When Larry, when Larry was talking about the problem with Cuties Larry said, very succinctly, he said, "Larry from the Uncanny Kurt podcast." But um, he said, "If you had made cuties as an animation, it would have been better because you wouldn't have the hiccup of real people." And what that really means is, is animation is not just an experimental space where you can do things visually that are difficult to do in real, in re- in um. In reality in like live action film but it is a space where you can experiment with ideas and you can have conversations in the media of animation that do not involve directly a real human outside of the voice work so you can have a whole conversation about what it means to be transgender. And you could have a whole conversation about all all of the touchy subjects as Dadic Shock did. And you can you can use the medium of animation to do that without putting the burden on a single human entirely. And it can be a piece of value that it put into the world. And when given that opportunity, they just like brush it off. And the main character's like, oh, okay. It's. And then, but then also shows that happening in other characters. It is. It's so bizarre. It's so weird, because you had this opportunity to make that thing, and then, A, you put the content warning on it, which is insane, and then you just don't. You walk right up to the edge, and then you're just like, no thank you. I want it to be, I want people to understand me, but I want them to do it of their own volition, and... Believe me, I'm the person who said, you know, like, acceptance is more important than understanding. Acceptance is the first step. Understanding can come after you accept what's in front of you. But if you had an opportunity to put something out there. To let someone understand who is already like to let someone understand, why wouldn't you do it? And maybe, and maybe that was the point of that scene was that it just was like a passing thought. It was not, it was an, it was like a unincidental thing that was there and gone in a flash. And maybe that's a good thing. But it just. It felt like a drive-by. <laughs> if A, it felt like a drive-by. And B, it felt like. They could have. Focused on the picture at some other point And gotten all the same plot point. But you, the audience member. Would if you hadn't guessed by then which. It was very, it was very clear to me, like, oh, this is a transgender character. That's what they're doing here. But for an audience member who maybe couldn't read the cues, you looked. It's like they showed the picture on the desk, and that character says to Rose. like, "I knew your mother." Blah 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 blah. I. Uh, sh- you, the audience, would have the moment of recognition and the character wouldn't have to broach it with another character. Which would be a way better show don't tell scenario than what they did. And the show is kind of full of so much of that telling and not showing thing that anime, that not anime, sorry, that animation is worth for doing constantly. And then lastly, and I want to talk about this specifically because the very specific thing, and I'm a weirdo the teacher characters in this show. Are all supposed to be like big fancy wizards, but they they don't feel as good as the teachers, as the magic teachers in other shows. Like, um, they don't feel as good as like the, as like the staff of magic teachers in something like Harry Potter or Little Witch Academia or any other magic isekai thing. And it's just, it's another knock against the show. And instead of feeling, instead of feeling like they're fair teachers guiding students, they feel like assholes who are just like okay with this, their kids are treated unfairly or die or something. And even teachers like um, Snape in that in in the original parts of in the early parts of Harry Potter. Did not feel... They felt like mean teachers. They felt like teachers who had been turned mean by the system. Not teachers who... From the get-go, like... Showed up to work day one. Like, hey, when do I get to turn some kids into fucking frogs and squash them? And that's what these teachers feel like a lot of times. And it doesn't... Doesn't bode well for the show... The last thing I'll say before cutting off here, because I don't want it to be continue Mud Dragon session, although I'm sure people would love that, is it doesn't... It's pretty clunky about handling its expansion of its world. And what I mean by that is... um you... What, what I talked about this a little when I was talking about um when I was talking about Oh Maidens in your Sabbath season there comes a point in this in many many shows when it becomes clear to people that they need some expansion of the cast because they need more cast members this is also true in a show like Maggie or even Little Witch Academia um, and what they start to do is they start to cue you in on little parts of other characters. they start, they start to seemingly innocuously show you scenes with character with not with a character you aren't familiar with. maybe you saw in the background once, but also there's no other character there. They're doing that pretty well with um this show called Blue Period, which is all about art that's on right now and they're like, introducing character almost a character at a time these characters who are different art school weirdos who are all very very much art school weirdos as a art school weirdo himself i can tell you um but they don't they're just not handling it well they're not like the the, the universe is like growing at like bits and starts constantly. Like this character seems to not take. And then, shrinks back and then shrinks back down. But. In most shows. Like once you encompass a character. They become. Pieces you can tell. Sto- pieces on the board you can tell stories with. And this show just doesn't feel like that. And that makes the world. Continue to feel really closed. And really. Encapsulated on itself, and it's just not—it's not a great look. On that note, this has been Alex. Um, you've been, and this has been Lunchbox Radio. If you like this episode, there are new episodes every Thursday and Sunday. Um, Thursday is about a um show or a movie. Um, Sunday is about more a more meta-textual thing. <laughs> And if you like this episode, you can. I promise they're not all so negative. Um, <laughs> if just, it's High Guardian Spice Day. Um, it, it, if you like this episode, you can subscribe to it in whatever you listen to right now. Until next time, I will talk to you on Sunday.